Hey guys, Jesse here. In the following podcast, you're going to notice the audio takes a drastic drop in quality from last episode. That's because I forgot to record on an SD card uh, at the time of recording. But luckily, we had uh, a camera set up, and so I was able to pull the audio from that and do some producer magic, and uh, here you go. First Amendment was not intended to defend satanic ideology. Hey guys, welcome back to Theology, the Young and the Zealous podcast for young men, by young men, for young men. I'm sure I said that twice. I said for young men twice, didn't I? Uh, something like that. Something like that. I'm Jesse Marsalis, co-hosting here with Carrie Crater, and in the studio today as well, we have guest Wade Crater. Hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Wade Crater. Uh, I have, teach history. Um, I'm Carrie's dad, so that's kind of like the relationship here. Um, served in the military 10 years. You know, I love to learn, love to share what I learned, so that's kind of why I'm here. So how long did you serve in the military for? In what branch? I uh, mean, you, you said for 10 years, but like, uh, what did you do? Total 10. I was in the Navy, then the Navy Reserves, and then the Army National Guard. So I was gunner's mate in the Navy, and the Army, Navy Reserves, I kind of trained people on the stuff I learned on active duty. And the National Guard, I was infantry, and I also did a lot of um, training of people. Wow. So, just a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a very brief summary. I mean, yeah, very brief summary. I'm sure. telling you a very story. Brief. Yeah, well, that's, that's not <laughs> we'll the topic. We'll try to stick to the topic. Not the topic of today's episode, but maybe, uh, maybe another time we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. So, uh, how long have you been uh, studying history, and uh, what got you involved in like, teaching it? Um, well, I got interested in history, actually, when I was in the U.S. Navy. When you're in the Navy, you kind of learn history as part of your training. And when I was in high school, I, I didn't really like history that much, except I did have a couple teachers I liked. But um, when I was in the Navy, and you're kind of a part of history, and you're learning history but from a different perspective as, wait, I'm a part of this stuff that's going on. It becomes more interesting. Uh, so then I went to college, and at first I wasn't really studying history. I didn't quite know what I wanted to do in college. Um, but I had a couple bad teachers. Um, and so I was like, you know, someone really needs to teach this correctly. <laughs> and I decided that um, I wanted to teach history. And I've been studying history since and teaching. I've taught a lot of different things, but I primarily teach history. Awesome. Uh, so just, you think it's important for, uh, for young men. Why do you think it's important for younger generations to study history and to learn that? Well, um, we can learn a lot, um, of how to avoid the same mistakes that the past has made. Uh, we also know what works in the past. So we can learn the good and the bad, you know, uh, we can grow in wisdom. We can become better citizens through studying history. We can, we can kind of see what it means to be a good citizen. Uh, history also really helps us develop a, a biblical worldview when we're studying it, um, through the lens of, of, of the Bible, um, it really affirms the teachings in Scripture. It really helps solidify your faith. So under, uh, getting in more understanding, that's that's a biblical concept. Uh, right. The fear of the Lord is beginning of all knowledge. Like, seek wisdom, seek understanding. Yes. That's, that's all in Proverbs 1. Like, that's the that's very right foundation. That's the foundation. You open up <laughs> the first page and you're like, oh. All right, I gotta do this. That's already that's the list of things I have to do. Um, so, understanding history is important because a lot of people nowadays who don't understand history still have a lot of hot takes. I would know because <laughs> I have many hot takes, uh, and I'm, you've listened to many of them uh, over the years <laughs> as well, uh, with with little understanding of history, uh, and. You know, since it's the Christmas season, the holiday season for college and pagans, uh, a lot of people talk about uh, how Christmas is distinctly pagan, or like the pagan roots. Um, what are the pagan roots of Christmas? So yeah, commenting on that, I wouldn't say it's distinctly pagan, but there are certain, there's quite a bit of the aspects of Christmas that are pagan in origin. One, the first thing, though, I'll mention that's pagan in origin that might surprise a lot of people. It's celebrating birthdays. 
in the early church, um, they didn't celebrate birthdays. That's a very modern idea. In that time, in the early church, celebrating birthdays was considered pagan. So the fact that we are celebrating the birthday of Christ, the first hundred years of Christians would have been like, well, why are you celebrating a birthday? That's pagan. That's weird. It's a completely different uh, idea. The, the oh, early, yeah. yeah, the early church actually celebrated um, the day you died was kind of like the day you were celebrated. So you're, that's because martyrdom was so common. Um, and when you died, they, since they were so fully engrossed in a biblical worldview, that's when your true life really began. In, in heaven. So um, martyrs, you would celebrate people who had been martyred on the day they died, not on the day they were born. And so early on, um, birthdays were considered pagan from the very beginning. All right. So that that's definitely a part of the pagan roots. Now, um, another aspect that is pagan is, well, pagan-ish. Let's go there. The date. All right. The winter solstice was a very popular time to celebrate in pagan Europe. And it, it's a logical time to celebrate oh, look yeah, at the culture. Absolutely. Like winters, especially in Northern Europe, were like deadly. <laughs> and so the winter solstice, December 25th, meant you were halfway there. Like um, winter was half over. Now you were moving towards spring. So it was a good, great time to celebrate. Living on a prayer. Yes, yes, because yeah. that's, you know, they prayed to their pagan gods, but they did have, I mean, it was hard. It was hard, in, especially in Northern Europe in the winter. So, you know, the middle of the winter, something to just kind of, you know, whew, we're halfway done. But um, this is why I say pagan-ish. Because um, around the, the third century AD, Christians, and now it, it, the logic is kind of weird, had agreed that the birth of Jesus was... December 22nd, 25th, sorry. Um, and the reason they um, they had this weird idea that um, God had created everything on the spring equinox. And so they took the days of creation, then added nine months to that, and that came out with December 25th. And for some reason they said, that's when Jesus was born. Now, so this was a widespread idea in, you know, third century Christian night, you know, logic. So now I don't agree with that necessarily as a date of Jesus's birth, but that's what they had decided. And so eventually as um, the Roman empire became Christianized and they were trying to replace the pagan celebrations with Christian versions of, um, of the holidays, it was logical to replace the winter solstice celebrations with the celebration of Jesus' birth. They both just happen to be the same day. Um, and so you're trying to replace a pagan holiday with a Christian one. Well, here on the same day, we have birth of Christ. We have winter solstice celebrations. Well, we'll just swap it and we'll replace it with the birth of Christ. So that's how we ended up with the earliest Christian holiday as Christmas. So a bunch of third century Christians were like, you know what? We think... It was probably conceived in spring. It's just at nine months. Well, no, <laughs> That's they, said, they believed that the uh, yeah the creation was in spring, so therefore they assumed somehow that that was when he was conceived-ish. So um, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. I kind of the the most logical explanation I've found of when Jesus was actually born, and since they didn't celebrate birthdays early on in the church, it really wasn't seen as important as to when Jesus was born. Um, I found some Jewish historian's account, can't remember his name, but he um, he took the date of John the Baptist's birth and added six months to that and said, aha, this is when Jesus was born. And that comes out sometime around September. Well, so I mean, that would make sense because Bible literally says John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. Right. Jesus is a September. Well, con yeah, conceived six months prior to, to, to well, yeah, Mary's yeah. conception. So, well, if he's conceived, you know, it would be assumed that he was around six months older. Right. That's a logical assumption. So, uh, but the Bible doesn't specifically say, and there's not, and the earliest church tradition we have is that he was born December 25th. So, we are still here. Now, though it wasn't, it's not necessarily the day he was born, 
But I do think if we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ, though, it's a very logical day to do it. Same reason that pagans did. So, I mean, I mean, pagans, pagans kind of knew there was a God, but their worship of him was corrupted. That's basically what well, that paganism is. Like human history. That's human history, right? <laughs> we know there's a God, but we're worshiping him in a flawed, corrupted manner. You know, Jesus' birth is kind of the middle of the story. If we look at the whole meta-narrative of the Bible, we have all of the Old Testament stuff, like the hard stuff, right? Uh, the law, you know, the condemnation of the law. Man failing over and over again to follow God's law. And then we see the turning point of the story is Jesus enters into our world. And so now, we're not there yet, right? We're not... Creation is not completely redeemed, but creation is moving in that direction. So it's very similar if we're looking, if we, if we imagine the whole meta narrative of the Bible as a year, right? And we're going to divide up the year to try to celebrate that meta narrative, then the winter solstice is a logical day to celebrate the birth of Christ, in my opinion. Why is that? The, uh, for the same, so for the same yeah, reason that. Right. You know, for the same reason. reason. It's halfway through the hard, the hard story, right? It's it's at it's that hard part of the year where you really just need some kind of a a boost and encouragement. Uh, it's right in that middle. Um, it's right as we're moving away from the winter towards the spring. We can see when when Christ entered, the Messiah had come, right? So we can see salvation now. We can see eternity now, right? Where prior to that, you know, it was just the weight of the law. And 400 years of silence through the silent years when God wasn't speaking. So, you know, like I said, taking the meta narrative of the Bible, you know, trying to divide it up over a year, in my opinion, winter solstice as a celebration of Christ's birth makes sense. That makes sense. So I've heard uh, some people saying, uh, they had, this was a while back, I don't remember who said it, but uh, they had said Easter and Christmas got switched up in terms of when he was born. Um, According to the biblical text, it seems he was born in September, September 8th. And uh, I, I just thought it was interesting uh, because then it opens up the question, well, why did Easter become a thing? So let's just go on a tiny bit of a tangent. It's, it's a fun topic. <laughs> yeah, Easter could be a whole entirely new podcast. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll do that, <laughs> we'll do that whenever Easter actually rolls around. Uh, but... If you want to talk about pagan roots. But, yeah. If we're going to talk about Easter, I'll just throw this in here. Easter was the first Christian holiday. It was literally the first thing Christians celebrated. So, so pagan origin, um, no, it's kind of a different thing there. Where we had some pagan or pagan practices that snuck their way in. But Easter was originally the first Christian holiday that Christians were actually celebrating. You know, that was uniquely Christian. I've heard uh, some people say it was um, the there were pagans that would do uh, was specifically celebrating like fertility, uh, and that's why we got that's why we got rabbits laying eggs because rabbits. That was Germans. We're gonna get. That was Germans. We'll, we'll okay, get we'll, that. Get to that. we'll get that. We'll get that. We'll get that in another podcast. Uh, yeah, just tune in for that <laughs> whenever that rolls around. Um, so, uh, past what the roots of Christmas are. Uh, what are the practices, the, the roots of uh, practices, like having stockings over the fireplace or having Christmas trees specifically? Why do we have Christmas trees? Well, from what I've studied, um, I think this, is, this predates Christianity, the whole Christmas trees, the holly, the ivy. So, yeah, you could, you could say that they're pagan. I would argue they're more psychological than they are pagan. And here, here's the thing. In winter, everything's dead and brown. It, it's kind of depressing. So early on, in, especially in Northern Europe, when it was really bad winters, people would just gather whatever they could green, cut it, put it in their house, and use it as decorations. And it just, the color green just kind of was associated with a life. You know, it was alive. So when you were tired of looking at all the dead stuff, you cut some stuff that was alive and brought it into your house. So green green predates Christianity. 
I wouldn't necessarily say it's distinctly pagan. I think it's more of a psychological thing. It was tied to paganism. Yeah, um, like uh, stuff like Donner's Oak, or mm-hmm. in um, is it? It's Jeremiah. I, I forgot to put the quote here. I think it's Jeremiah ten one through two through five. Uh, Thus says the Lord: Do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen, with the axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers, so that it will not topple. They are upright, like a palm tree, and they cannot speak. They must be carried, because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, nor can they do any good. The passage, obviously talking about um, uh, idols that they would have. Idols, yeah. Because right. they would worship them. Well, if you're worshiping your Christmas tree, there's definitely a problem. Yeah, you're worshiping anything. Yeah, really if, yeah. Problem. So, uh, yeah, you're if you're if you're offering prayers and things to your Christmas tree, you're a pagan. Yeah, yeah don't. There's, yeah, there's no Christianity. <laughs> don't do that. that. So, yes, don't do that. The I've seen a lot of people get stuck up on this passage and be like, "Oh, well, this is biblical evidence why I shouldn't have a Christmas tree." And it's like, okay, just make sure you're not uh, giving any more idolatry than anything else. Then. If you're so set on this being a clear evil idol, oh, yeah. because what it says is they cannot do evil nor can they do any good on their own, because an idol is just a thing until you give it power. Right. Well, I would I would also say though, just a you know devil's advocate here, the some of the some Christians who may have issues with this and what the Bible would describe as weaker brothers, exactly they they may they may look at something and go oh. You know, this is this is pagan in origin. You know, I probably shouldn't do it, and it it may prick their conscience and it may bother them because it's it's pagan in origin. Um, I I tend to have to sometimes I think things of pagan origin are probably should be avoided, but other times I mean we're we're called as Christians to conquer, right? And um, you know, we basically as Christians, if we really want to look at it. No one's celebrating a pagan winter solstice anymore, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. We have conquered Christmas for Christ, right? We we've, we've turned it into a Christian holiday, despite its pagan roots. So I tend to be lean more on the on the side of the conqueror when it comes to these things that aren't anti-Christian or aren't bad, but have kind of been conquered and taken by Christians. Don't let the pagans have it. Yeah, don't let the pagans have it. Yeah, <laughs> right. We're, we're conquerors. We're more than conquerors, right? So if somebody's conscience is hurt by uh, in it, regards to it, then respect that. Let, yeah. Respect, respect let them, let them yeah. have that and just bring them up uh, through understanding over time. Uh, and yeah. maybe that's exactly. just something they'll get stuck up for the rest of their life. Right. They don't celebrate Christmas. That's fine. It's not a biblical command to celebrate Christmas, but it is a command to follow Christ. So make sure that no matter what, you and the weaker brother are following Christ. Yeah, exactly. So, I want to figure out why we are so in tune with jolly old Saint Nick. This is a, this is we we've, we've been wanting to talk about oh, this for like three, two or three weeks now. Yeah, we've been waiting on this because uh, this is always like my favorite Christmas thing is to just <laughs> share memes about Saint Nicholas. Well, I mean, this yeah. is, this, this was the original driving point of why we wanted you on the podcast. Ah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, sure so, fact. So Saint Nicholas, um, Saint Nicholas was based on a real person. Um, he was actually an early leader in the church. Uh, we don't know exactly when he was born, but we know exactly when he died because you know early Christians care more about when people died. So he died December sixth in the year three forty three, and we we have this problem I mean this could get me on a very long tangent we have this problem if, we, if you bring me in for holidays you're going to hear this more than once we as Americans have smashed holidays like we've just taken like what used to be four or five holidays and just kind of mush it into one day so Nicholas being a real person was celebrated on the anniversary of his death every year right this became a very popular holiday in Europe his death being December 6th so Christmas, December 25th, right? Uh, the celebration of Nicholas of Myra, December 6th. So it's close, right? 
So we kind of just kind of it got eventually smushed into Christmas later, like way later. But Nicholas, um, Nicholas was a real person. Um, he's from what would be the modern day country of Turkey. He was actually a uh, relatively wealthy man. His parents died when he was young, uh, probably about your age, actually, probably about you guys' age was when his parents died. So he kind of had to, to to manage things at a very early age. Now, there's some stuff that we know for a fact about him. There's some stuff we don't know, and there's a whole lot of traditions, right? <laughs> and so, um, so some of these traditions, it, the main one, the big one that where a lot of our Christmas origins come from, was um, back then, way back when, when girls were going to get married, they had to have a dowry, right? And if they were too poor to have a dowry, they couldn't get married, and that usually meant like a very bad life for girls back then. There was no way of providing um, for a girl when her dad died or her brothers were dead when without a husband. So if you couldn't get married, you were condemned to poverty. So a dowry is like a, a gift. A wedding. a wedding, yes, yes. It went along with the, kind of like, yeah, went along with the bride. I mean, she got married, the dowry went with her, uh, and it was meant kind of like a, a token of security and stuff like that. So, the, le the legend goes, and there's there's multiple versions of this legend, that um, this poor man had come upon some hard times and he couldn't have dowries for his daughters to get married. So Nicholas, and, and there's various stories. Most likely he threw money in through the window. You know, there's, there's stories of him putting it in stockings and things like that, which is where we get the origin of the stockings and stuff like that for Christmas. But he gave money to help these girls he eventually got caught by the father, and um, he told the father not to tell anybody. But um, we're all here we talking about it. it. <laughs> so he probably told a few people. Um, and so the, this legend of his generosity is well known. And so giving gifts to people. Um, earlier, their gifts were relatively simple. Um, things like, you know, fruit or, you know, nuts or things like that were just simple gifts that people would give for um the holiday was called Sinterklaas, right which was celebrating um nicholas of myra the anniversary of his death on december 6th so that's where the generosity part comes in and the gift giving and um the stockings um so i guess we can talk about some of the fun stuff <laughs> all right so nicholas was um, generally referred to as Nicholas of Myra or Saint Nicholas of Myra. And um, he was a bishop of the city of Myra, but how he became a bishop is actually kind of comical. Um, this was like during the time of persecution. And so your average day-to-day -day Christians walking around though, generally didn't make enough noise to um, awaken Rome's wrath, but bishops generally did. And so often bishops were elected by um, basically kidnapping them and forcing them to become bishop. So uh, whoa. that's what happened to him. He was um, like kidnapped. They put the bishop clothes on him and made him become bishop. Um, now, what's, that was actually not unusual in this time where they just kind of forced you. I guess, I mean, once you had the clothes on or something, I guess you were stuck, I don't know. How you, how you were stuck now that they I mean, kidnapped how would you. You, just, yeah. you run away? I, I guess. <laughs> But um, what was unusual is it was usually priests that they would do this to. They would just take a popular priest that they thought would be a good bishop and, you know, kind of forth elect them to be bishop. Um, but he wasn't even a priest. Like, he was just well known as a kind of an upstanding, righteous man. And so he was forced to become bishop of Myra. Now, he was Bishop of Myra during the Great Persecution. So this was like the worst persecution of Christians in the history of the Roman Empire. So during the Great Persecution, he was arrested. We know this for a fact. Um, we also believe that his face was disfigured. So his nose was broken and healed improperly. Um, but throughout the torture, he never denied Christ. So he, um, he, was, um, he was faithful, you know, and so... People who, Christians who survived being tortured for Christ at this time were called confessors. So it was like a title, it was like a badge of honor to say that you were a confessor. Because it meant despite the tortures, despite the beatings and whatever, the starving, 
you stayed faithful and you didn't deny Christ. So you earn that title. And then, you know, the, the very famous time of Constantine comes along. And the persecutions end. And the opposite happens. Rome becomes a Christian empire. Because uh, it can happen. Yes. So when Constantine became uh, emperor, he released, he released Nicholas from prison and reinstated him. And so the most famous story, though, which is oh tradition, according to tradition. So um, we do know, was that the Council of Nicaea? Oh, yeah. Uh, Constantine, dealing with the Arian controversy, this, um, this movement among Christians claiming that Jesus was a created being and became God, not, you know, an eternal God. Um, so Constantine calls everybody together for the Council of Nicaea, and they're going to solve this problem. They're going to debate and stuff in that. Now, we know for a fact that Nicholas was at the Council of Nicaea. So we also know for a fact that he had um, a very zealous attitude towards uh, defending the faith. So... Um, while we don't know for a fact about the whole, the rest of this story, it's a strong tradition that it probably did happen. So during the Council of Nicaea, Arius is talking about his view about how Jesus is not God and he was a created being. And um, Nicholas gets up, walks across the council, and smacks him. Um, some traditions say slap, some say punch, generally just so he hits the guy in front of the emperor. And he's arrested for this, and um, he's put in prison, and according to tradition, he is tried by the other bishops. The bishops see this vision of, uh, of Nicholas in his bishop arms, and they find him not guilty, and he's reinstated. So, based. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You rocked his world. <laughs> yes. So, um, so yeah, so the, the Nicholas smacking Arius is a very fun topic. Um, for me, around Christmas time, I've seen I've seen that walking just go all over the social spaces, all over Twitter and Facebook. Oh, absolutely! Uh, I, I saw this one where it's like um, POV your Arius at the Council of Nicaea, and just <laughs> Christ, oh, and it's just a guy like beating against the window. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, that video. Oh, I love I love seeing stuff like that. Seeing about the the history of the church uh, specifically. So yeah, yeah. showed in memes, you know. Yes. It, well, we have we have a very uh, sarcastic meme culture culture. So like you know, share it, it, it's kind of cool to see it going around as a meme because it's actually a part of church history. Yes, it is. It's it's more prevalent. Think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it's more prevalent actually in the Eastern Orthodox tradition um, because that's kind of where he would have been a part of being yeah. um, from Turkey, modern day Turkey. Um, so, yeah, but he did do a few other things that just show that, I mean, this was his character. He was very bold about defending the faith. Um, one of the things he is actually well known for that did actually happen was there was a temple built to Artemis. He had a whole bunch of converts, right, that had um, been worshippers of Artemis, and they were baby Christians. And so he was kind of concerned that the temple would tempt them back. So he destroyed it. <laughs> so he saw that they were being tempted the week of yeah, brothers, and he was like, yeah, "All right, yes, no so right, yes, I got you. Don't I got worry, you. guys." And so, yeah, he very lovingly removed the temptation, lovingly and loving, violently, yes, lovingly by removing the temptation um, from <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that that's a very loving statement in my opinion, <laughs> because love sometimes. You need tough love, right? And so these guys are being tempted. If I mean, and let, let's be serious, all right? So we have a modern-day Christian who's being tempted by one of these things. Exactly. What do you do? What do you do? Take it away. Take I've it been, away. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been helping it. out um, a buddy of mine with this as well. He's, he's uh, had struggles with it. And uh, I got uh, an awesome program accountable to you, um, specifically. And it's been helping him along. And anytime he needs help, I'm just like, well, just put the phone up, give it to somebody that you that you trust. Yeah, and yeah. He's, he's been doing he's been doing a lot better about it. Uh, yeah, just I mean, doing something like that, just help out. Don't just say, oh, well, you just gotta have a little bit of faith. Is all. Don't no, be no, if you had, in order to have 
proper faith about helping somebody out through their temptations. You actually have to help them because that's what you're called to do. You're not just called only to pray. Praying is a good thing, but you're also supposed to work on it. You're right. just supposed to help them. Uh, whatever that means. Like, yeah, and I use this analogy all the time. If you see a person about to step on a venomous snake, you don't go, well, I don't want to judge. You, know, you, you stop them, right? Well, well, sin can be just as destructive. And really, when you look at the sin specifically of idolatry, which is what he did, he was trying to prevent them from being tempted to idolatry. I mean, first commandment, right? And then all through scripture, I mean, idolatry is something that is very dangerous, and very destructive, much more destructive than something that can merely destroy the body. So, you know, removing the temptation to idolatry Although it was, you know, required probably some destructiveness, right? Yeah. Um, it was a loving thing to do. So it's a lot easier too. Yeah, I mean, it didn't get rid of idolatry in their heart necessarily, but it did remove the temptation while they were, you know, while they were weak. You know, they were baby Christians, and so well, they probably didn't like that. So by the time this episode airs, uh, this will already have long passed. But this past week, did you hear about what happened at the uh, Iowa State Capitol? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Iowa State Capitol. Have you heard about this? Was it the... Um... The Bafflement statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the Church of Satan... Yeah, that... Oh, boy. Petitioned to put their own idol of Satan or Bafflement. I, I can't remember. Uh, I remember reading Bafflement like three different times. Yeah. Um... And they wanted to use an actual goat head, like a decapitated goat head, but uh, the state capital was like, no, we can't do that. So instead, they used like a, a silver one. We can have a fake goat head dedicated to Satan. Yeah, and, and it's again not the idol itself, it's the idolatry that you put into it. Right. And uh, I've I've been seeing a bunch of people call it Disco Satan, and I can't I can't not call it Disco Satan. So Disco Satan, they petition it. It. It's passed, it can, it can be put into the Iowa State Capitol for a week. And they put it right next to the nativity. So... Which is just a slap in the face. Which is oh, just yeah. a slap in the that face. That was the intention. It's, it's, the intention is very clear what they're trying to do. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of people were defending it, saying, like, oh, well, it's what the First Amendment is. Um, okay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we'll okay. here a while, right? Yeah, well, um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll get to this at some point, because our country's so filled with idolatry that... There will be dozens more just in the next few months of examples that we can use. Yeah, we, we have but, we have historic writing. The first the First Amendment was not intended to defend satanic idolatry. I'm just what? gonna go out there and You can't say that about <laughs> their religion. <laughs> when they were talking about religion, uh, let, let's look at historical context. When the founding fathers talked about religion, they were talking about Judeo-Christian religions. They were not talking about Pagan worship of a satanic idol. Because they didn't right. have that back then. Uh, they well, they didn't even want to. They, they, you realize a lot of the founding fathers didn't want to buy the, the Louisiana Purchase because they were, you know, pagans there. <laughs> like, so we don't want these were the people who wrote this amendment, by the way, said, uh, well, if we're going to buy Louisiana, by the way, this was Thomas Jefferson, by the way, who was one of the um, least Christian of the founding fathers, arguably the least Christian. Who said we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna evangelize among these guys to make them um, have Christian values before we let them in as states? Yeah, like so the, the, this this was this was Thomas Jefferson. This was the person who was the most liberal about religious freedom of any of the founding fathers, saying, "No, we don't want to let a bunch of states in with pagans. We need Christian values for us to remain a free country." Like, no, the First Amendment does not defend. Satanic idols. So the point of being free is that you're a slave to Christ, not slave to the world. The point of the point of the First Amendment, well, the historic context of this is that Christian values is necessary for a free nation. Because all of them, most of them were Christian. They were Christian-ish. So they had Christian values. So at the um, very least, their moral values were they had, moral yes. They they them. had their values morally lined up with. Christian values. So many of them had weird views about, you know, eternity and Jesus and, and stuff like that and salvation and all of that. But what the founding fathers saw as essential for a free nation is Christian values. Um, 
you cannot have a free nation. Even John Adams, who also was not a Christian, um, believed that Christian morals, Christian values were essential for a free nation. So the people who wrote it, we, you know, when we're looking at the Constitution and the amendments, we have to look at historical context. What were they talking about? Well, when they were talking about the First Amendment, they were talking about, you know, okay, these guys are Catholics, these guys are Baptists, these guys are Presbyterian. They can all get along, right? These guys are Jews. These guys are Quakers, which are not Christians, but they have Christian morals. They're fine. So that's what they were talking about when they were with the historic context of freedom of religion. They, were, they even have some early documents that talked about Islam. And Islam is of Judeo-Christian origin, but because it has such a tendency to be forceful about yeah. spreading its ideas, they were like, no, the First Amendment really wasn't intended for Muslims because they were forceful about it. They were trying to force everyone to their belief, and it didn't work in a free country. So You can't no, be free and not free at the same you, time. You, you, <laughs> right. You, you can't be free when you're forced. And that was what was going on in Europe. Um, the king would be Catholic. Well, everyone else has to be Catholic. Then you'd get, you know, a Lutheran king. Now everybody has to be Lutheran. Yeah, convert and every single America time. America was like, no, no, it's, it's okay. As long as we have Christian values, we can have different denominations of Christianity, and we're fine. Or even some people who are non-Christians who share similar values uh, can work in a free country. So we could go into a huge debate as to that, but that was just so long the as your point of the First Amendment was to prevent what was happening in Europe, where every time you get new leadership, everybody had to conform to their religion. Um, but no, numerous writings about the importance of Christian values in the free country. And that's sort of what's happening nowadays. The king, which is the culture, uh, is trying to say you must conform. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> so. We were, we're uh, so long as you like follow Christ, you can bicker about little stuff because a little bit of bickering is fine. Uh, just so long as it's not strife, right? Uh, strife stirring. So why? Just to wrap, uh, wrap bring this back around to Saint Nick. Saint Nick, because like that, that was a whole on tangent. I <laughs> made the mistake. Uh, I made the mistake of told you. Yeah, you gotta yeah. watch it when you open up cases oh, around here. To to finish the story about the Baphomet statue. Oh yeah. So Michael Cassidy. I don't remember what off, maybe he's from Mississippi or something. Mississippi. He didn't hear about any of this. He only went into the Iowa State Capitol and saw it. He saw Disco Satan right next to the Nativity. And he was so taken aback by it that he decapitated it and dismantled the whole statue. Yeah. Yeah. Based. <laughs> like that much. Well, I think, I think the failure, the, God created government for a reason, to restrain sin, right? To, to restrain the evildoer. And here's government <laughs> promoting the evildoer. Like, so the whole problem, why on earth was this government promoting evil? Like, how is this happening? When, how, how could this happen in that's like building? All right, so Carrie's job is to fabricate things. If Carrie goes to work and just starts tearing things apart instead of fabricating <laughs> it, Fired. that's the exact opposite of his job. Well, I mean, so, so civilly, he will be fired. Fired. Uh, he'll, he'll so the, the moral, the, the government here, who is supposed to restrain evil, is parading it. That's the exact opposite of their job. That's, that's like the root problem, is that the government should have said, you're insane. We're not putting a demon idol up in a government building. And they Period. still had it pass. They still let it happen. It was going to be only, only be up for a week. But, it but didn't the fact even, that they even allowed it. The fact that they even for any time. There, the fact yes. that they even considered it already shows how far gone oh. we've been. I mean, would this have happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago? No, but what would have happened 20, 30, 40 years ago is what happened. This isn't, it's not a sudden switch is flipped, uh, now everybody's running pagan. It's just, it slowly happens over time. You hit a little bit of ground. I'm surprised the statue didn't fall over and break the head off. <laughs> no, no, he, he, uh, he decapitated. No, he I'm like, it. I'm talking about just by itself. Oh, by yeah, itself. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. You remember whenever the Ark was in the, uh, the Philistine city? 
And yeah. there was it Dagon? Dagon. Yeah, when the statue their their statue kept falling over and like broke it and everything like that when they put the art next to it. How could this keep happening? <laughs> and then everybody broke out in boils. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, now yeah, I remember, and they kept I remember the boils. Different cities. The boils is specifically what I remember yeah. about that. Yeah. I just I love I love hearing stories. Yeah, when that. I first heard about it, I was like, is it gonna fall over and just like break? That's why That'd all be funny. This whole thing with uh with the Satan statue in the state capitol. It was it was so funny to me for uh, not literally funny but yeah. to mock it yeah it's it, it's it's just uh, like, I I remember read it I read, when I first saw that I was like that's what? real that happened that's what we did that are you but, serious well, I mean, Harvard had a satanic idol yeah but that's Harvard yeah. yeah it's Harvard this is Harvard yeah to not get into too many modern political stuff because that's not the point of the podcast the point is to direct. Uh, Men like us, um, young men, young Christian men, and maybe even who aren't Christian, into just general moral principles and principles of wisdom. So to bring it back, why, why do we have Santa today? Okay, so um, during the Reformation, so we talked about Saint Nicholas. You know, his feast day, his his holiday was December sixth. During the Reformation, that kind of died out. Um, except in Holland. Holland had stayed, and it was called Sinterklaas, right? So that was the name of their holiday, celebrating the the death of um, Nicholas of Myra. Eventually, the, you know, as they immigrated to America and things like that, Sinterklaas became anglicized, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Right? And I've also heard uh, St. Nicholas, like you say it fast, St. Nicholas, St. Nicholas. Santa Claus, Santa Claus. But, right. So that's is that where Santa Claus comes from, or possibly I don't speak Dutch. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, eventually, that December sixth celebration kind of merged into Christmas. So that's where that's how it came to America. But our, our modern day idea of Santa Claus came from nineteen fourteen when commercialism, a new the new paganism, right? Modern commercialism um, took created the image of you know, the jolly old fat guy with the white beard and the red clothes and um, was basically pushing it as, um, you know, means to get people to, you know, waste more money around the holidays. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of made a full tilt to start off as pagan. It was conquered by Christians. And now the new paganism, materialism, you know, the worship of stuff, this whole material world that we live in, um, has kind of come back. So it, it's kind of paganized itself again while we were sleeping. We just watched, um, I think it was last week, this past Sunday actually, uh, Violent Night with uh, David Harbour. That's uh, the one with Santa Claus and whatnot, killer, whatever. He just kills uh, a bunch of Yeah, I've like, seen some previews for that. Funny movie, but it's not Christian at all, obviously. It was a fun movie to watch. It was really weird watching Santa Claus throw a bunch of people into a wood chipper with Brian Adams singing over five <laughs> Wait, really? Yes, that is a real <laughs> scene. If you don't watch what the movie- song? What song? I don't, it, it was a Christmas song, of course. <laughs> I don't remember what song it was, but if you don't watch the movie, just watch that clip because it's just, it's such a funny clip. Um, but obviously, Santa Claus, all the red, uh, why why is it red? Is it synonymous because of the color of a certain no, soda can? You're, you're just kind of shooting at the Coca-Cola. Yeah, you're shooting at the Coca-Cola thing. Yeah, yeah, it was associated with Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. So all the all, all like the advertisements and all the billboards. Uh, I mean, I've seen some of them in the past few years as well, where it's just you know Santa Claus sitting there after a long hard night of uh, giving gifts to everybody, enjoying. Coca-Cola. This is why you should drink Dr. Pepper. Drink more Dr. Pepper. Drink more Dr. Pepper. Not Coke. Or just say stick with tea. No, stick with tea. Dr. Pepper is good for you. Maybe we'll have a Dr. Pepper episode. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Oh, yeah. I said maybe. That's not a confirmation. But maybe. Maybe. So, celebrating holidays wasn't very common in the early church. Easter was the first one. We won't go down that rabbit hole again. No pun intended. What does the Bible actually say about celebrating holidays or celebrating 
things. How do these kind of fall under Christian liberty? I mean, it says for some people every day is the same, right? And for others, they have specific holidays. So, um, and let not one hate resent the other, exactly, nor one judge the other. Yeah, yeah. And well, but here's the thing. I mean, we're to do all things for the glory of God, and that includes how we choose to celebrate holidays. So I think as long, as long as we start from that question, right? How can I honor God with this holiday? Um, then, then we're doing good, right? So if we, I love holidays personally. Um, I'm kind of on a, um, I guess a mission. I guess I could say to make. We need to really make holidays Christian again, right? We need <laughs> that to make, needs to be a hat. Yes, make it needs to be Christian. a hat. I'm telling you, I was about to go there. You beat me to it. We need some. You can have your first ever. Um, Young and the zealous merch make holidays Christian again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get the ball rolling on this so that uh, when this episode pops, we need uh, to. Uh, we should probably have orange. Orange. <laughs> it should be the first one. Should be an orange instead of instead of instead of red. Protestant uh, orange. Protestant orange. Yeah. I I, that's the, uh, I've heard. <laughs> Never mind. That's that'll be another uh, another time, I guess. But uh, so idolatry doesn't happen because um because of the cup like if you started venerating this cup right now and you were like this cup is the most holy cup in the world that's yeah, that's idolatry nice it is a nice cup but stop <laughs> <laughs> so the the idol isn't the problem it's the idolatry that you put into it uh in the same way that nothing since jesus made all food clean Nothing that goes into your uh, mouth, into your body, will defile it. It's rather what comes out of it. It's the it's the sinful nature of man that is evil, not creation. So what we do to creation is wrong. And the idolatry that we uh, throw into something usually doesn't have any power on itself. So when God says in the, whole, in the Old Testament and all throughout, like, don't worship idols, it's usually for two reasons. One, there is literally no power behind this idol. Two, you are worshiping a literal demon. Yeah. It's not It's not the power that it has. It's the power and influence that you give it. That which is had is given. And if you give that influence and power, it will have that power over you. Which is why we have so many problems with idolatry nowadays. Problems with alcoholism, just uh, addiction in general. Comes from idolatry yeah. and gluttony. And that's... The materialistic, individualistic exactly. worldview that we put ourselves, we, we made we ourselves the idol. So, can we pin the blame on Coca-Cola? No. Partially. <laughs> Partially. Well, obviously the, the blame just goes to ourselves hey, in general. But is one of the just, the, is this, that something this, we can this, just say? This pencil made me fail my test. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's, yeah, that's, a good, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, no. It, it doesn't it, it was a it's tool you used to fail. The tool itself is not evil, it's what you do with it. Um, so, idols don't have power unless you give it to them. Right. Wow. That, that, that sort of wraps up my, uh, my notes. I mean, I, mean, I had. We I, have a little bit, but. Yeah. We have a little bit more. Um, what do you, do you have any, uh, do you have any ideas? I mean, I'll, I'll probably, I'll be cutting most of this part out. Yeah, I didn't even make any notes because I've been working all week. Yeah, well, I mean, I worked. Well, what have I been doing? So you already had those notes. Sandwiches. Oh, <laughs> you had, had those notes. notes. I had these notes for my job. You've been, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've been teaching this for years. I'm just, I was just working yeah. one day and I was like, dude, Jesse, we should, we should make a podcast. And he was like, I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, because I, I already work with podcasts. I was thinking we should totally do something like this. Yeah. And uh well it was this past uh it was this past Wednesday that I was like, hey Mr. Wade, do you wanna do a podcast? No, no, it was Sunday. It was Sunday night. Yeah, I was yeah. like, hey, do you wanna do a podcast? <laughs> We're supposed to do it on Wednesday, but then we had to That's post what it was, yeah. Uh things okay. have to be pushed back. And which is fine because well, we, we probably have more time now. now. Yeah, Saturdays Saturday afternoons are probably the easiest on the, on me. Yeah. I think but, I Yeah, well Jesse was like, Hey, do you wanna just come record something on Wednesday? And I was like I don't think I can. And then I realized after work, I was like, oh, I could have. <laughs> and then I called Jesse to just go hang out. He was like, mm, no, I'm at, I'm at 
the Hacienda. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah, I remember you You came, you were starting to go into town. And I was like, dude, you caught me. You caught me. Well, I, I was talking to one of the co- one of my coworkers for like 30 minutes. And I realized I would have had to like step on it to get home in time. Because they were, they literally, I put on a shirt and then they left. Like, I put on, I got home, put on a shirt and they left. So like, I was kind of like trying to hurry up. And I was like, I should just probably like see if Jesse's at the office. So I go hang out with him. And then you work. I already left. Yeah. So, Proverbs twenty five four says, "Take away the dross from silver, and it will go to the silversmith for jewelry." We are the silver; our sin is the dross. And in order to take that dross out, you need fire. You need it needs to get hot, hot fire. It needs to be hot fire. So, we want to we want to be in that fire. We are in that fire. The Lord is their fire. Well, we don't always want to be in that fire. Not always. Not no. Always. There's a time for trials and there's a time for blessings. Yeah. In which case, all things are blessing, even curses. I would. I would. Curses say. are curses. Blessings. blessings are not curses. Curses are blessings. Well, blessings can be a curse, but then it wraps back to curses are blessings. <laughs> Everything is just blessing. Everything. Hashtag Hashtag blessed. Always said, all things are good, for those who are gods. Oh yeah. Amen. Yes. That's a great Well, point. I mean, any I mean, really, even even if you aren't Christ, I mean it's still good. Well, it, everything is well, good. It's good for God and those who are getting like, everything I mean, people who are cast into hell for eternity. They, they're not going in there going, you know what, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, it's not no, that bad, guys. <laughs> it's definitely not good for those who are separated from God for eternity. Well, when I, when yes. I say good, I don't the greater good, yes. Yeah. Not not They're specifically good. for them, just Not for their good. as a whole. Not for their good. Everything is God. everything is God. God, you know, God's will. Whatever happened to God's will, which is everything, is good. God has it for His greater glory, not for ours. Amen. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I don't know what what, uh, what are we going to talk about next uh, next week. That's a good idea. Uh, Not a good idea. That's a good question. <laughs> College stuff, maybe. Oh man, I mean, we, we didn't need it. We didn't need specifically. Oh wait, guess, maybe. we do. Everybody, everybody's coming home Wednesday. No, Wednesday from college, I think, or Thursday. I don't know. Join us for any future future conversations. We have a, loads of topics that we're gonna approach uh, at a later time. Currently, still uh, on the nose on uh, as to what we're actually gonna talk about next time, but. Uh, Lord willing, we will grow no longer as boys, but you are fine and you are God-fearing men. And if you aren't God-fearing, that's great. Join us anyway. And we can learn about just principal ideas of wisdom, morality, and just seek knowledge in general together. So, until then, 1 John 1.